Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We begin our third part in a series of studies on the Holy Spirit. We've been doing a series of studies on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at the personality of the Spirit. We talked about His personality, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not an energy, not a force. It drives me bananas when I hear people say, refer to the Holy Spirit as it. It's like, uh, he's a person. He's a person. And sorry, ladies, but he's not a female. He is a male. He is he, the Holy Spirit, the person. And then we talked about the last time we were together, we talked about his deity, that he is God. And he has God-like attributes. And if, if the Holy Spirit really is God, then he must have God-like attributes. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about, and I want to talk to you about, the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today. Or the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Or what in the world is the Holy Spirit doing? Now, if you've got a pad and a pen with you. You should probably take it out right about now so you can take some notes because I want to point out for you this morning eight things that we can learn about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Eight things that we can learn about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is sent as a helper. And we're going to talk about that and develop all of these this morning. But the Holy Spirit, number one, is sent as a helper. Secondly, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of righteousness. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment. Fifthly, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us to truth. And then the Holy Spirit guides us, and he doesn't speak of his own authority. Point number six. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak of his own authority. And then number seven. The Holy Spirit tells us of the future. Tells us of the things to come. And then last but certainly not least, the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Eight things. The Holy Spirit is sent as a helper. 
He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He guides us into all truth. He doesn't speak of his own authority. He tells us the things to come, and the Holy Spirit has come to glorify not himself, but to glorify Jesus Christ. Go with me, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. The Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 16. And we're going to pick up our study this morning in verse 5. John, chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. If you're there, say amen. All right, some of y'all not there yet. I'll wait. We'll wait. All right, wait till I tell you say amen, all right? All right, John 16, verse 5, if you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. Very good. But now Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, But now I go to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things in verse 6, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. Underline that in your Bible. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he, in verse 8, now remember we talked about the Holy Spirit has a personality. He is the third person of the Godhead. Notice how many times Jesus uses the personal pronoun, he, his, or him. And when he, in verse 8, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Who's that? Satan. And in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, in verse 14, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it unto you. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. John chapter 14, pardon me, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 all take place in one night. Now, here in John chapter 16, on the last night, Jesus is wrapping things up before he leaves the earth. And he begins to tell his disciples that when he leaves, he's going to send them the Holy Spirit. And in verse 6, did you pick up that? In verse 6, it says when Jesus said these things that sorrow filled the disciples' hearts. But then in verse 7, Jesus went on to say, it is to your advantage that I go away. Did you see that? It's to your advantage. Now, this was pretty disheartening for the disciples, and they didn't understand it. Remember, we talked about the last time that we were together. Jesus and his disciples 
were friends. Jesus and his disciples, they spent time together. They ate together. They had a really good time together. Sometimes we think of Jesus, I think, and Jesus and disciples as if, you know, disciples were here and Jesus was there and they came together to do ministry and do the spiritual stuff and heal people and, and all of that spiritual stuff. They came together to do the ministry, but then they went and separated. No, Jesus and his disciples, they, listen, they hung out together. They enjoyed company together. Jesus was one to have a good time. Jesus loved to have fun. <gasps> really, Rodney? Yeah. Jesus liked to have fun. Jesus had fun. You know, some people think Christians should never have fun. No, Jesus had fun. Jesus had fun with disciples. I'm sure they, they laughed at Peter all the time. <laughs> because Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. And Jesus might say, would you like a little milk with that foot, Peter? I mean, Peter was always putting his They laughed together. They hung out together. They had a good time together. They went out to restaurants together. I think. <laughs> did they have restaurants? I don't know. But if they did, they would have. They had a great time together. And so now Jesus is talking about, remember, they were friends. And now Jesus is saying, listen, fellas, I'm going to be leaving you. I'm going to leave you. But, and, and they didn't understand it. And so sorrow has filled their hearts. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. It's like this. It's like a hard thing for them to swallow when, when somebody, or hard for you to swallow, when somebody tries to tell you that a bad thing that they're going through or, or a bad thing is going to happen to them is, is actually a good thing and will work to their advantage. Somebody ever tried to tell you, you know, something's bad going to happen or something bad has happened, and, and somebody says, you know what, though? That's a good thing, and it'll work to your advantage. That's kind of hard to digest. It's almost like as parents when we use the old proverbial parental line, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Did you hate it when your parents said that? This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. It's to your advantage. And you're thinking, well, why don't you just hurt yourself? <laughs> that would be fine with me. I mean, but every parent has said that. And, and, and kids don't understand it. And the disciples, they didn't understand how this was going to be to their advantage. They didn't have the word of God written like we do. See, we understand because we have the word of God. We've got the Bible in front of us, and we know that when Jesus went up to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit down, and it was to our advantage. But they didn't see things from that advantage point. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand that it most certainly would be to their advantage that Jesus was arrested and beaten and mocked and sentenced to death. It was to their advantage that he would be nailed to the tree and die. It was to their advantage that his lifeless body would be laid in a cold grave. It would be to their advantage that he would get up from that grave and ascend into heaven. 
And Jesus says, listen, guys, I realize you don't understand it. Nevertheless, I am telling you, I'm sending you a helper when I leave. And when the helper comes, he's going to minister to you just like I ministered to you while I was on the earth. Get this. Everything that Jesus was to the disciples while he was here on earth, so is the Holy Spirit to the believer today. So Jesus says, we looked at it in John 14. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit And he is going to minister to you. He's going to help you. Which brings us to our first point. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, he is sent to help us. He is a helper. Jesus says, I'm going away and the helper will come to you and he's going to help you. Now, how does he help you? Well, he helps us in many areas. He comforts us. He encourages us. You know, when we sin and when we fall, and trip up, you know, it's the Holy Spirit who encourages you and says, you know what? Get up. Keep walking with Jesus. Keep loving Jesus Christ. Keep serving. Don't give up. See, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, when, 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 when you sin, and if you ever feel condemned, condemnation is not of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, Satan condemns you. The Holy Spirit convicts us and says, get up, keep walking, keep serving God. Don't give up. He encourages us. He encourages us to be Christians. You can't be a Christian on your own. Did you know that? You can't will it. You can't be like the little train that could. I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. If I could just only pull myself up by my bootstraps and be a better Christian. That doesn't work like that. You know, it was Zachariah who said, it's not by might. Christian, you know it. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, as you walk with the Lord, you can't do this in your flesh. You can't do it on your own. So Jesus sent the comforter. Jesus sent the helper to help you. But we don't even know how to pray. The Bible says we don't even know how to pray. Romans chapter 8, there's that verse. Verse 26 through 27, it says this, the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. Get this, you guys, with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you see that? We pointed this out at second service. The Spirit of God himself, he intercedes for us with groanings. Have you ever had a time in your life where you don't know what to pray? Have you ever had that time? Of course you have. If you're a Christian, you have. You don't know what to pray. You don't know how to pray. Some things are so deep and so painful or you lack such knowledge that you don't even know how to pray. You don't even know where to begin. Well, the Bible says that if you will just get before God and just groan, 
He intercedes, the Spirit helps intercedes for us with groanings. If you would just groan, the Holy Spirit, get this, will take that groaning to the throne of the Father. The Father will interpret that groaning and answer that prayer according to his will. That's pretty amazing. So you don't know how to pray. You just get before God and you're like, oh, Lord, my wife, Lord. Mmm. Oh, Lord, my husband, Lord, help me. Well, the, the, the Holy Spirit takes that, and he takes it to the throne of the Father. The Father interprets it, and he saves your husband, or he saves your wife. He does the work. So we don't even know how to pray. But even in those times that we don't know how to pray, we can simply get before God and just, "Mm, Lord, help. And God understands that because God knows. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to feel like we have to have the right words. How often do you feel like I don't know how to pray? People have said to me, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I'm like, well, you know how to groan? No. Boom, kick him in the shin. Mm-mm. There, you're praying. There you go. God's going to interpret it. But we don't know how to pray sometimes. But we don't have to have all the right words. I remember when I was a new Christian, I thought I had to have all the right words. You know, I had to go to God. Dearest thou, heavenly Father, who sits on high and looks low, doest thou, hearest me? Meeth, you know, we don't have to have all the right words. The Spirit of God knows. Even if we don't know how to pray, we don't know the will of God. The Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. Secondly, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, notice in verse 8, is to convict the world of sin. To convict the world of sin. Now, I was thinking about this. Why does the Spirit of God convict the world of sin? Why? Well, I think it's pretty simple. It's because he loves the world. The Spirit of God loves the world. The Holy Spirit has a passion and intense love for you like a mother loves her children. I was reading a poem by Roger Kipling. And he wrote these words. He said, if I were hanged on the highest hill, mother o' mine, oh mother o' mine, I know whose love would follow me still, mother o' mine, oh mother o' mine. If I were drowned in the deepest sea, mother o' mine, oh mother o' mine, I know whose tears would come down for me, mother o' mine, oh mother o' mine. If I were damned by body and soul, mother o' mine, oh mother o' mine, I know whose prayers would make me whole. Mother, oh mine, oh mother, oh mine. The deep, passionate, intense prayers and feelings of love of a mother for her children. It's different even than a father for his children. It's it's, kind of different. I mean, I love my kids. But a mother and her children, and you say, Ronnie, well, I I just don't believe that. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, you mess with a mother's children, and she will take on supernatural abilities 
to tear you limb from limb. And it's not only in the human sense. I mean, even in the animal kingdom. I mean, you try to mess with the tigers. Tigerlets. What do you call the baby tigers? Tiggers? Cubs. I knew that. I just make sure you're awake. Or you mess with a bear. Cubs. Or a pig's. Pig. Little pigs. How's that? Man, you get hurt because of the deep passion of the love of a mother for her children. There's something about that. There's a powerful and intense love between a mother and her children. And there's a powerful and intense love that the Holy Spirit has for the world. It's that same love that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 23, verse 7. As Jesus had just pronounced judgment on Jerusalem, and as he was leaving the city, he stands on the mountain and he looks over the city and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent her. How often have I wanted to gather the children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. There's that motherly kind of love. You might remember in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, remember, I told you that word hover, it means to brood. That means to be affected with the feelings of tender love. It speaks of a chick brooding and hovering over her young ones. This word is used figuratively of the Spirit of God who brooded and loved the shapeless mass of the earth. And the Holy Spirit has the same heart of a mother brooding and loving the earth. The Holy Spirit has the manifest love of God for all creation and for all mankind because creation and mankind came forth from God. And that's why this is incredible, because the the, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin because he loves the world. Now, this word convict, it means to show to be wrong. You might want to write that down. And so Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit has come to show the world that it is wrong, sinful, wrong, to show to be wrong. So the Holy Spirit has come to show the world That it is wrong about sin. Now, listen, I realize it is not politically correct to talk about sin and wrong. People have made up their own morality these days. And people don't want to talk about sin because, you know, what's wrong for you may not be wrong for me. So people have their own morality that they have made up and people don't want to talk about sin. As a matter of fact, I was reading a report by this psychologist, and he said that the acknowledgement of sin and guilt is the single greatest cause of mental illness. The acknowledgement of sin and guilt is the single greatest cause of mental illness. And I'm, I'm like, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to acknowledge sin and guilt is a cause for healing and righteousness. That's where it begins. That's where healing begins. But the world doesn't want to talk about sin. Listen, guilt 
and pain and conviction by the Holy Spirit is good and it is right. There is a lesson, as a matter of fact, there's a lesson in pain. I mean, think about it. If you touch a fire once and you learn the pain of that fire, you will never intentionally touch it again. There is a lesson in pain. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. Now, bear with me for a minute while I state the obvious. State the obvious. It is the Holy Spirit that does the convicting, not you. Amen? Listen, husbands, the Holy Spirit will convict your wife. That's his job. And wives, leave that man alone. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. Too often, we want to help the Holy Spirit do the convicting. And so we make him a ham sandwich for lunch and we put a track in the middle of it. (laughs) Or he's taking a shower, it's nice and hot and steam on the mirrors and everything, and you sneak in and you write, get saved, love God. And he comes out, ah, God was, we're trying to help the Holy Spirit. Or we put a little love note in his luggage. Turn or burn. (laughs) Love you, honey. We try to help God. Listen, it's the Holy Spirit that does the convicting. Let God do his work. And if your words are not reaching your spouse, then why not try to preach a wordless sermon? You're going to live a life before him. Preach a wordless sermon. Allow the spirit of God to do the convicting. There's this classic story told by Dr. Lewis T. Talbot back in the late 40s when he was preaching in a church in Los Angeles, which at the time was a mega church in L.A. He gave a message concerning wives submitting to their own husbands. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.